There we go, team. Right. So before we get started, before we get stuck into tonight's session, we're going to be diving into planning, considerations, logistics, everything you need to know when it comes to organizing multi-day events. This is going to be very much giving you the framework for you to work around your specific challenge. What I would invite you to do is if you do have something coming up, like Tony, for example, like Laura, for example, I know you've got big, uh, larger distance things coming up and multi-day things coming up. What I invite you to do is to jump onto this framework go through it yourselves with every consideration that we're going to dive into for your given challenge. And then once you have that together, once you have all those details together, then come back to me, we can workshop it, tear it to pieces if we need to find the areas that we need to work on and then go from there. Make sense? Happy days. So before we begin, let's make sure the chat works. Uh, there'll be a little bit of back and forth on this one, folks. So um, try not to be a passenger, get involved, jump onto chat, let me know how we're getting on. Give me a scale, one to five. One, pretty crap. Five, I'm awesome. Give me a scale. Where are we at? Four build into a five. Nice, good. Five, five. Yes, awesome. We have got some awesome ratings in here. Lots of fives. Like to see fives. This is good. This is good. Five for Sarah. Yes, fantastic. Sarah's on cloud nine at the moment. This is awesome. Good stuff. Mr. Charlie Two Castings, I'm particularly interested in you. Give me a number, my friend, unless you're driving, in which case you can't. It looks like you're driving. Is that a, is that a four? Is that a five? I like it. Cool. Do you know what, Charlie? Don't worry. Don't crash, please. Right, team, we're going to get stuck in. I'm going to share my screen and then you're probably going to see my face disappear. So stand by. Give me a second. Right, Tony, because I'm looking at you, give me a thumbs up if you can see that screen, my friend. Excellent, fantastic. I'm going to assume that everyone else can, which is good. I'm going to minimize that, get that out of the way. Great, we're in. Great, right team. If anything happens, if you can't see anything, if you can't hear me, jump on into chat because I can see the chat window. I now can't see you. So that's how I'm going to be able to see if there's anything that you need. If you have any questions that come up throughout this, I'm not going to answer them as I go, but please do put the questions into the chat box so that I know they're there and we have something focused that we can drive through as we get stuck into today. Now, what we're going to be doing today, team, is we're going to be looking into planning ultra distance or multi-day adventures. Now, this is a quite fitting picture. This is kind of how I see what my job is really, going out and doing cool things, but sitting on my laptop at all times. So what we're going to do is we're going to look into some planning considerations. There will be... Some similarities for Charlie number two, I think, being serving military, because some of this is inspired by some of the expeditions that I've had to organize uh, in my time in the army. And do you know what? The army is pretty good at organizations. So what I do is I've applied certain things from this planning um, organization and then applied it to something that I know works time and time and time and time and time again, having done lots of large distance multi-day multi -day challenges and the like. So we're going to be diving into them thick and fast. Now, what we're going to do is this has been broken down into certain sections. Now, you've got six sort of seven areas that we're going to be uh, going to be diving into. What the mission is, this is where the militaryism comes in, looking at ground and intel, logistics and equipment. We've got Mr. Mark, standby, entering. There we go. Logistics and equipment, planning, comms, finance, and then when shit hits the fan, because it will. So we need to plan around these certain things. We're going to dive into each of these six areas. And what I'm essentially going to do today, team, is I'm going to introduce you to these individual areas. But what I'm also going to do is I'm going to give you 
examples of how this works going along with planning for my long distance challenge that I've got coming up this year, which is a 230 mile run across the Scottish Highlands. So that is kind of ticking the box of why this works, why this planning structure works and how it's going to work for you. And this really is something you can apply from literally going from a new hike to somewhere you've never been before, or you're doing like the King's Trail in Sweden, you know, which takes months or roughly a month and a half to complete in total, you know, so it fits both of those areas of the spectrum. If you can think about these on whatever level, on a high level or a low level, on a first hike or a multi-week hike, then what you can do is you're going through the you're going through that thought process that's going to keep you safe, organized, and knowing your capability, no matter what that challenge is. So what we're going to do, Tim, we're going to get started off with mission. What are you actually aiming to achieve? Now, when we're in the army, we try and have our mission as a mission statement. So you would be addressing who it is that you're talking to, and you would say, your mission is to X, Y, and Z. I find a similar thing in business. What is my mission in business, in the adventure coach? What is my mission for people I'm trying to serve? Well, think of this in your own adventure. What is the mission that you're actually trying to achieve? Don't say that you're going to go for a run up some hills. What are you specifically trying to do? For example, my Cape Wrath Trail challenge is not just to run the Cape Wrath Trail. My Cape Wrath Trail challenge is to try and break all fastest known time records on this 230 mile route. And I'm going to do it in approximately 64 hours, going from south to north, potentially, potentially south to north. That's going to come in the planning bit, which I'm going to talk about later. So what we need to do is we need to look at what our mission is, what are we actually aiming to do? Because as soon as you actually know that, as Billy Basics as that sound, as soon as you actually know that, then you're going to be able to see the thing through. So, for example, I'm going to pick, I'm probably going to be picking on Tony and Laura in this quite a lot because your projects are at the forefront of my mind at the moment. So, Tony, for example, running the 10, what, what actually is that? What is your actual mission? Write that down, get it in your notebook. Is it, I want to run the 10 highest mountains in the UK, full stop? Or is it, I want to run the 10 highest mountains in the UK in this specific time scale, in five days, seven days, whatever it is, days? Laura, I want to cycle the long last long distance trail, for, uh, cycling trail from Hollyhead to Chepstow. Good. Is that a full stop? Or is that, I want to do it in 24 hours? In which case, oh, off the top of my head, is it 180 miles? 160 miles in 24 hours be specific because as soon as you get it into your brain what your mission is that is when we can really start to get involved whoops that's when we can really start to get involved with what it is that we're actually trying to achieve make sense specificity is key same with training you know we're not just going to the gym to get fit we're not just doing push-ups to get good at push-ups what are we specifically trying to achieve that is where we need to get 100 crystal clear on our mission thinking it in a military context, if your mission is not completely clear, then guess what? It's not going to be going well for us. All right. If our mission is not completely clear, then I'm just going to put the chat box out of the way. Sorry. If our mission is not completely clear, then guess what? We're going to have vague results, vague goals, vague results, results, be 100% specific. Awesome. Um, team, just humor me for a minute. Can somebody really quickly jump on chat? I have the chat window open on my screen. Can you see it? Can someone just give me a yes or a no real quick, please? No. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Awesome. Great. 
I can keep that open. That's really useful for me. Fantastic. Right. So mission. We're a bit more clear on our mission. Exactly what it is that we're trying to achieve. Next, ground. This is where we need to look at exactly what we're trying to do, where we're going, and how the hell we do it. Okay. Now, this might sound pretty obvious, but if our goal is to run the 10 highest mountains in seven days, then we need to make sure that we understand the ground, the layout, the terrain of every single one of those mountains. For a 160-mile bike ride from North Wales to South Wales, we need to understand exactly what the terrain is. So, for example, I know that looking at the elevation cross-section of the Long Last Trail, you're going to have an awful lot of hills on the first quarter, first, first thought, third, sorry, can't get my words in, first third as you're going through North Wales, and then it's going to be okay. And then it's going to be pretty hilly again as you're going through Midwells. And it's going to be okay as you're going down to Chepstow. So we need to be better understand the ground. Now, when I'm doing my Cape Wrath Trail, one thing I found incredibly useful, if you can all see me on the screen, I don't know if you can, but I'm going to just ping my box up at the same time, is I have something that looks a little bit like this. I'm going to just stop this share here. Great. So what I have are these big A1 sheets. And I've essentially bought every single map that covers the trail, bearing in mind it's an awful long way, it was like 10 different maps, cut them all out so that I know the exact route that I've got to take and studied the ground. So what I'm doing in this sense is I've got all these notes and I know leg one to leg 20 or whatever it is. I know what the ground is that I've got to cover. I know that, that section's road. I know that this is track. I know this is fairly tough terrain going up and down. Um, over a very wet trail and uh, this is okay this is really good trail etc etc what you're looking for is understanding what does the ground look like how steep is it what are you likely to come across because when we're studying the ground we're studying overall terrain overall quality of trail if it's a trail that we're looking for uh, maybe is it all roads on the long distance cycle that sort of thing is it what else are we looking at? Steepness, texture of the ground. You also want to know what features you're going to be crossing because the more you study the ground, the more you're going to be able to understand that you'll know where you are. So for example, looking at those board, boards there, I know that the first bit's on road, then I'm onto track, and then after the track, I'm onto a little like dork, uh, deer stalking trail, then I'm back onto the road again. I know that by the time I've hit that road, I've done 21 miles. Well, if I've done 21 miles there, I know that it's six miles to my next resupply station, for example, or maybe it's to where there's a shop, or where it's to that next really steep remote part. The more we study the ground, the more apt our planning is going to be. And that's where we look at it in general and in detail. Now, let me share with you the difference between general and detail. Getting a study of the ground in general is understanding that I'm going from A to B. Understanding that, for example, on my challenge, I'm going from Fort William to Cape Wrath. Understanding that Tony's challenge, all 10 of the mountains are in Scotland, in the Highlands somewhere. Understanding that Laura's challenge is North Wales to South Wales. Understanding that Claire's challenge, for example, is an ultramarathon in Austria. So that's the general ground. I know that generally it's going to be on roads, tracks, mountains, whatever it is. Then we look in detail. That's what these boards are all about. This is where we can really go to town on getting all the depth possible. There's two ways you can do this. I'm a very visual person. So I've literally, I've got 10 of these boards here and every single one of them has 
loads of maps on them, loads of different areas of maps. I've got loads of different notes. Everything that I possibly need is on these boards, but I can lay them all out and I can study the whole trail. I'm a very visual learner. However, if you have the OS map software, something like that, or Plotter Root, Plotter Root is another really good bit of software for that. 060 is another fantastic piece of software for planning. Then what we can do is we can start to add notes. So for example, I know for a fact on Plotter Root and on OS maps, not sure about 060 on this case, you can set waymarks and then you can add notes to those waymarks. So for example, if we're going from A to B, let's use Tony's for example, if we're doing highest mountains, let's say we're going to do Ben McDewey, one of his 10, well, we know that the start finish point is probably going to be the Cairngorm um, Ski Centre. Great. Okay, so we need to be able to put in there all the notes that we need to know about the ground. Okay, we need to know that it's decent trail. We can add a note here to say it's going to be pretty steep. We need to add a note here to say actually the last bit's a bit of a slog to get to the um, to get to the trig point. We can either do an out and back. Let's study the ground. Is it worth going up to Cairngorm as well and bagging that one? Let's get another one of the ten in there. And so you can see there that we are putting some considerations to paper. And the more depth we can possibly go into, the better it's going to be. So it's about understanding how much depth you can do by studying the ground first. Please be specific here, folks. We're looking at ground specifically, not the planning considerations of, you know, what we're going to need on that aspect of trail. Let's just look at the ground. What are the contours doing? What does the trail do? What the landmarks that we're going to be passing? All of that good stuff. Happy days? Good. So, next... Next, we've got logistics and equipment. What do you need to accomplish your mission? Now, it's quite clear that if you're doing a long distance bike ride, you need a bike. It's quite clear that if you're running lots of mountains, you're going to need a solid pair of trainers, if not two. So what we need to be doing here is we need to make sure that we have all of the information that we actually, sorry, all of the um, equipment that we need in order to achieve that goal. So again, to workshop what I'm doing, just so that you get a bit of context, if I'm doing the Cape Wrath Trail, I'm going to be running for 64 hours. If I'm going to be running for 64 hours, I know that I'm going to need a good, solid pack with plenty of capacity. Excellent. Can I put my hydration system in there? Where's it going to be? Do I need to have a bladder as well as two squeezy bottles? Do I need to be able to pack food? Do I need to be able to pack sleeping systems? Do I need to be able to pack waterproofs, warm kit? What am I going to need? equipment wise to match the terrain that i'm then going to be facing so tony knows that he's going to be facing 10 mountains while he's running the 10 what equipment do we need for that do we need poles for that do we need to understand if we need more aggressive shoes do we need gaiters is it particularly boggy what's our pack looking like do we need to have the ability because we're doing each of these peaks on separate days to actually have different capacity packs am i going to need a larger capacity pack for a longer day and and the opposite for a shorter day, for example. Is there is every single peak runnable for a start? Am I thinking of taking the CMD Aret, for example, to the top of Ben Nevis? These are all considerations where we're going to need different elements of equipment. So, for example, if Laura is doing a long-distance bike ride, what maintenance equipment do I need? Do I need a punch repair kit? Do I need to take patches? Do I need to take gas? Am I taking CO2 cartridges to refill my wheels? Do I need to, you know, what am I going to do about setting my bike up? Do I need new tires fresh for my bike? Do I need to get my bike freshly serviced? How do I ensure that my shoes are going to be fine? Do I need new cleats for them? How's my helmet, my gloves? What clothing am I going to wear? 
These are all considerations. You need to think quite literally down to the absolute nuts and bolts. What do I need to accomplish this goal? Think of it and, and just literally grenade your brain all over a piece of paper. Every single thing that you will need, equipment-wise, not skill set-wise, every single piece of equipment that you think you will need. Because the beauty of this is you're going to be doing your own journey, right? So you're going to be understanding how, uh, sorry, you're going to be understanding your thought process of what it is that you're going to need. And then we'll go through with it together and then see if we need to chop and change certain bits. Because obviously with equipment comes a little bit of skill set. We'll come on to that in a minute. So it's logistics and equipment. So again, for Tony, are we driving the van? What does the van need? What do we need in the van? Sleeping systems there, food, the rest of it, water, refills, fuel. What is powering the van? What do we need? Absolutely everything. When we do this in a military sense and we are looking at um, G4 planning, which is logistics and equipment, what we're looking at here is every single tiny aspect to make that patrol a success. You know, and that's looking at everything down from vehicles and aircraft down to what each soldier has in their top left pocket. Every single aspect of equipment. If you're running in the cold, lip balm, moisturizer, shoes, clothing, hats, gloves, packs, fuel, drink, everything. So really, really go to town on brain dumping every single piece of equipment that you think that you will need. And go overboard on it, because if you think if you think you need it, put it down. Then when we workshop it, it might be something that's not a consideration or it might be something that really is a consideration. Make sense? I hope so. Logistics and equipment. Now then, planning. This is the meat of it. This is how are we going to accomplish the goal? How does the mission become a success? planning and emergency considerations this this is the this is the bread and butter we know what the goal is we know what the ground looks like we've got that more acute stuff we know the equipment that we need to accomplish the goal that's fine we, we're getting a handle for that but now we go right well actually if i need a certain piece of equipment what training do i need for that so laura for example if she's doing a long distance bike ride do I actually need to understand how to repair a puncture, how to do servicing work on the bike? How do I repair brakes? How do I repair a cable that might snap? How do I repair the chain coming off? All these sort of things. These are planning considerations because these are things that we need to know in order to accomplish it. Now then, Tony, for example, I know you're going out running with poles this weekend. So this is, again, some of the equipment, you're going to need poles, the skill set to go with that equipment. How the hell do I use poles? You need to go out there, need to experiment, you need to feed back to your coach. Yes, good lad. And understand what it is that you need to do, how you got on with that and how we need to alter that in order to make maximum benefit of those poles. So this is where we start to really look into it. Let's first start by looking at every piece of equipment and making sure we know how to use it and be insultingly deep in detail. Everything from how to rebuild a chain on a bike to how to apply lip balm. Do you know how to use every single piece of equipment in, lo in your logistics and equipment list? Because if you don't know how to use it, it either needs to be gone 
or you need to learn how to use it because that's identifying gaps in your overall plan. Right, in addition, when we're looking at other planning considerations and we first of all need to know exactly how to use your equipment, we also need to know how to accomplish the goal itself. So what is your mission? How are you going to achieve it? And I don't just mean I'm going to cycle or I'm going to run. I mean, okay, well, what order are you doing the mountains in, Tony, for example? Are you starting from north or south, Laura? How are you getting to the start of your bike ride? How are you getting from mountain to mountain? Um, considerations for Claire that I know she's already boxed off is like, how are we getting to Austria? Where are you staying? I know we're, we're um, because I'm going with her. I know that we're both staying in Maria Alm. I know we're both staying really close to the start line of the um uh, of the run as well you know so this is where we need to start understanding a bit more of the planning of logistics for our challenge how many miles is it between each each mountain do i know that i can have enough fuel in my van where are refu re sorry refuel points do i need to take the train back if i'm cycling do i have a resupply team is there any shops around to allow me to resupply any food? Do I have to pay for parking at certain car parks for certain mountains? When we understand what our planning considerations are, then we get a better picture of that how we're going to achieve it. And that's where it comes down to, okay, in the sense of Cape Wrath, for example, well, I need to go from Fort William to Cape Wrath. Well, that's really useful, but then it, I know it's going to take me six and a half hours with a 15k walk to get back from Cape Wrath to Fort William. So is it worth then in that case going from north to south? That'd be great. I need to consider the mission itself. Does the FKT still stick? Does that still work? Brilliant. It's a damn sight easier to get to Cape Wrath than it is to get from Cape Wrath. And then I'm running all the way to Fort William where it's easy to get to and from. So logistically speaking, that makes a little bit more sense. Am I going to have someone to come and help me to come and drop me off? Well, clearly that's going to make the overall mission easier if I'm going from south to north. So it's understanding these planning considerations. You need to really go to town on all of your questions for your specific adventure, for your specific mission. In addition, am I having any resupplies? If so, where are they going to be? Am I dropping any supplies? So Tony, are you dropping any supplies at car parks? Are you resupplying anywhere in any of the small towns? Aviemore is probably going to be a resupply for you. What's there? Tesco's. What time is it open? Be 100% with every single one of these planning considerations. The best, um, the best example that I've got from my recent adventures is when I went to Iceland. And this was like a big solo, my first big solo adventure for me, going completely on my own to a new country to go and do something absolutely batshit mental. And when I was cycling, basically the, the preface of um, Iceland, for those who don't know, was I was flying out to Iceland to cycle 3,343 kilometers all the way around the country, trying to create this new route that didn't just do the ring road, but actually went around the entire outside of the country, right into the central highlands, super remote, super challenging. It was freaking awesome. One of the best experiences of my entire life. But planning considerations, camping, needed to get a camping card, which linked together all the camping sites. Where do I get gas? Because I can't fly with gas. There's a language barrier. How do I get my bike across there? There's going to be, I'm going to need bike bag. I'm going to need a locker to lock the bike bag up. How much is that? You have to sell a kidney every single time you want 
a flipping pizza in Iceland because it's so he- it's so um, expensive. So you need to consider all of these options. Campsite to campsite. What's the difference? Uh, sorry, what's the distance between campsites? Laura, if you're going, uh, if you're going to do the entire uh, long last trail in Awana, what's the distance? What if you can't make it? What if you have to break it in half? Where are you going to stop? What are you going to do? What are your planning considerations? It's not about going too much into the what ifs. It's about giving yourself every single option possible because the what ifs will come later. These are the key planning considerations for you to accomplish your mission. Uh, I think the same actually for Sarah. She's going to be doing 40 at 40. So a 40 mile ultra marathon. You know, you're going to be going through the same thing. Are you planning a route yourself or are you going to do a race and enter a race? If you're planning the route yourself, you need to start this from the beginning and go all the way through it because this will account to everything. This will help you through even that particular route as well. Then the final bit of planning is emergency considerations. This is where we get to, okay, what are my escape routes off mountains? What are my safe spots? What if I break down on the way? What if my bike breaks? Where can I go? Where is safe and where is there shelter? Where can I get signal? Where can I not get signal? Phone signal. Where do I have it? Where do I not? Internet. Is there free internet in certain cafes like Costas and stuff like that along the way? How can I get safety? What are my emergency considerations? Who am I in contact with? Who am I not in contact with? How can people get in touch with me? Batteries for all that. That actually comes on to the next point, which is comms. How do people get in touch with you? And how do you get in touch with them? Battery life. Are you resupply? Sorry, are you recharging batteries along the way? That was a big one for me when I went to Iceland, because I didn't. Re- well, quite frankly, I didn't want to spend hundreds of pounds on a Power Monkey um, solar panel. The weather was so good that would have been absolutely banging for it. But instead, I had to look at where every single campsite had a three-point socket. Do I need to get a little adapter for the socket? How did I plug it in without leaving it and risk getting it robbed? You know, how did I keep my watch going so that I could keep? The tracking going, because if it wasn't on Strava, it never happened. So how do I keep the tracking going for the entire journey? Things like this are our considerations for comms, because ultimately we need to make sure that we are safe. We need to make sure all of our planning considerations give us escape routes off mountains, escape routes from certain routes to ensure that we are covered by safety. Because if we're not, and I'm not saying we need to wrap ourselves in bubble wrap, but I'm saying we need to think about this laterally. Every expedition in the world will have an emergency plan. Every patrol I've ever been on in a military war zone has an emergency plan. Ranulf Fiennes crossing Antarctica would have had an emergency plan. He always had contact. He always had comms. Yes, there'll be a point where you have to wait a little bit longer for that help to come, but it's coming. I have a prime example for this, folks. And if you take nothing else away from this entire lecture from me this evening, take this point away. Uh, I was convinced I was going to die in Iceland. I know it sounds very dramatic and yes, very well done, Ben. But I got to this point where I was stuck in this valley uh, between these two volcanoes. And there was this northern headwind coming at me. And it was the strongest wind ever in the world in the history of wind. And honestly, like honestly, the amount of times I fell off my bike, I got so bored of being blown off my bike. My sense of humor had gone a long time ago. And um, I had... Um, I think I had like 50, I think it was like 50 or 60 kilometers to go before I got to the next village, bearing in mind that I'd only stayed in an emergency shelter. Uh, like they have these like emergency box 
shed shelter things uh in the middle of nowhere in iceland for people to refuge in and i'd stayed in one of those the previous night got up in the night because i wanted to sleep out the wind got up in the morning the wind was just as strong and i was like oh for god's sake here we go got into the wind uh, had a really really hard time and i was just could not make any progress i'm literally pushing my bike and the wind was so strong it would take the bike from underneath me i'd fall on top of the bike sense of humor lots of shouting lots of swearing lots of very angry ben and it was going to be a very slow 50k. And I thought, well, I need to find some shelter. Let's see if I can get my tent up somewhere. And then we'll sleep it out. Because when in doubt, sleep. And I'll get some food. I'll get some water. I was running out of water. And I was running out of food. So I'll eat something and drink something. And then we'll think about it with a clear head. Um, put my tent up. Got in the tent. Um, for some reason, the wind kind of changed direction. And flat packs the tent. And I'm literally laying in the tent with it hitting me in the face. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I actually took a video of it. And if I can find it, I'll dig it out and post it because it's flipping fantastic. And my face is holding up the uh, holding up the tent as it's like battering me in the face. And I'm like, this is not fun. Um, I was getting ferociously cold at the time. Uh, bearing in mind, you're only 50 miles away from the Arctic Circle. It was ferociously cold, running out of equipment, poorly underprepared for that terrain and that um climate because that had missed my planning considerations and i was not in a i'm not in the best place um i was trying just trying to figure out my way out of it i ran out of water so i was like melting glacial ice in order to get some water i was running out of gas it was a really poor place to be uh, and i was like oh god this is this is not going to end well on a track where no one goes and i can't stress that enough no one goes and um, it was a very, very remote track, a very remote track. Um, but I did have some decent signal. But because I got the comms right, I actually had my mum and my stepdad as my overwatch because they were two reliable people that I knew would check, care enough about me to check in and see where I'm got dot watching a little bit. And I had a comms plan. I had an emergency plan. Now, this comms plan was my Garmin InReach Mini, my GPS device that was always on. That's why it's so important to charge stuff. It was always on. And if I clicked the red button, then International Rescue and the Thunderbirds would turn up. And that's where it would mount their rescue mission, because that red button would then, um, would then what's the word I'm looking for? Send out a distress signal to the local emergency services, and then they would put together the plan from there. Now, how you get that is using a Garmin InReach, flipping fantastic, by the way, 10 out of 10 re recommend getting one. You would then go on to uh, Garmin Explore and you purchase a service package for that device. So you can't just take it out and then go, bosh, there you go, it's working. You have to purchase a service for it, a service package for that thing. So I purchased a service package for two months to cover that journey to make sure I had tons and tons of time coverage. I don't know what it was on top of my head. I think off the top of my head, it was like 200 quid for the whole two months. But that was like gold package. And they've essentially got different levels. You've got like, I don't know, I'm I'm hypothesizing that this is what they're called, but this is kind of how they worked. Bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. And I went for gold because I'm a little bit cheap. Um, but ultimately, it meant that if you click the button, you're safe. What I also had was, because Iceland's fantastic for internet, um, because it's quite a connected country for something that's very, very remote, is I could message back to home and say, look, I'm here. This is the situation. It's probably not going to be fantastic. And um, what that meant was somebody else knew that I was in trouble. And then I could trust somebody to then put a plan into place. I had designed 
a way of getting in touch with uh, with uh, emergency services and then ensured that I was safe. Funny thing for this story is what I didn't realize is that my stepdad is the most connected man in the world. He knew someone in Finland who knew the CEO of Coca-Cola in Iceland at the time. And they were having this like weird three-way conversation between Shropshire, Finland and Iceland and the CEO, no joke, folks, this sounds so f- stupid, but no joke. The CEO of Iceland was ready in his helicopter to come out and find me. But that, that is the beauty. I'm not saying you have to have this level of a comms plan, but that's the beauty of having connection with people that you can rely on. And even to that extent, if you feel like you don't have people that you can rely on for going on your challenge, then you need to check in with me because either I will be or I will know someone who can be. Because we need to make sure, folks, that when we are achieving these next adventures, we are set. And that is the most important thing. You can perform when you know that all the stuff in the background is set. That the second you get into trouble, you know that you're taken care of. And you need to trust in that. Because take it from me, folks, if you can't trust in that, it becomes a much more ugly situation. Um, To finish off that story, um, the CEO of Coca-Cola ended up sending a couple of his friends with a massive, great big Icelandic like pickup truck, like a big Hilux with massive wheels on it, um, screaming down this path. It took like two hours for them to come out. And they were like, I just got this message saying help in two hours. And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go to sleep. So I'm like sleeping with my tent hanging over my face, um, having some lukewarm, gritty water from a glacier. It was fantastic. And anyway, they picked me up and took me to this wonderful hotel that was like fully paid for. And it was amazing. So um, goes to show the benefit of having a very, very, very comprehensive comms plan. If you can nail these planning considerations, understanding how to use every piece of equipment that you take, because if you don't, it's superfluous and a waste of time. And then understanding your emergency considerations. If those emergency considerations link in with your comms plan, i.e. where do I have signal? Where do I not have signal? Do I have enough battery? How the hell do people get in touch with me? How the hell do I get in touch with people? Then you can't go far wrong. I hope I've emphasized that point enough. Does that make sense, team? I hope so. Uh, In fact, just give me a yes or a no in the chat. Make sure I'm not just screaming at a wall and, and telling stories to myself. Give me a yes or a no. How are we feeling? Good? Quality? Good points. Happy days. Thanks, Tony. Awesome. Had a few cans of Coke. I didn't actually have any Coke. It was ridiculous. I did try to get free flights back, though. That didn't work, but you got to love a trier. Claire, awesome. Laura, yes, awesome. Tony, yes, awesome. Happy days. Good. So next, finance. This is the interesting part because we need to understand, quite frankly, some of these challenges, they're expensive. Let's be honest. The reason I'm doing the Cape Wrath Trail not as the Cape Wrath race is because I don't want to pay 1600 quid for a flipping race. What what a waste of time and money that is. Also, they break it up into silly leg days. I don't want to do that. You know, a lot of us don't want to pay for races. Ruth, for example, I know is going to be building up to doing 12 triathlons in 12 months. And that's going to be culminating in a half Ironman distance race that she's doing herself in Snowdonia. So there's a lot of planning considerations for that. And obviously, we don't want to pay 600 quid for a half Ironman distance thing. So we've got to understand, well, what are the cost implications of that? So finance, we need to understand what does it cost in order to achieve my mission? 
Now, I'm going to go back to Iceland, folks, because I'm loving the Iceland uh, memories here. This is fantastic. The world's most expensive place ever. Oh, my goodness me. My credit card hated me. But that was something I had to take into account. How much was it going to cost for food, for fuel, for camping, for water, hotels, things like that that I might have needed along the way? How does it work? Are there? Are we driving to the Alps, for example, and therefore we're going to be passing tolls? We need to understand how that's going to be coming into our finance plan. This finance plan team needs to be on a spreadsheet as detailed as possible with every other aspect of your expedition, of your challenge, of your adventure. I don't care if you're only going to North Wales or you're going to Azerbaijan. Exactly the same thing. If you can get into this same habit process, then you are a hundred percent competent, capable, and clear on what it is that you need to do to have success. Because it's in my best interest that you have success. It's in your best interest that you have success. These are every single tool that sorry, these are all the tools that you are going to need. So we need to understand what cost, how much, where from. So what is the overall cost of your expedition? How much are individual things? Do we need to look at new tires? We need to focus that in, for example, new tires on our bike. Do we need new shoes? Okay, going back to planning, we're going to need to break those shoes in as well. So we need to understand that cost. We need to get a nice big bubble of money so that we know, let's say, for example, I'm just going to throw this out there because it was the same for Iceland. Cost me about, uh, I actually bought the bike as well. So it cost me £2,000 to go to Iceland for complete transparency cost me £2,000. And then eating for 28 days cost me 1300 quid. So I knew that it was about three and a half grand for the whole expedition. Now, I went everywhere for funding, because I had some fantastic ideas. And you know what, I was that close. I was that close. Um, I'm not being funny here. If I was a woman, this would have this would have gone through. And I'll, I will expand upon that in a second. Don't I was that close to getting a full sponsorship from Skoda and they were going to pay me all the money. They were going to pay all of my transport, all of my costs. They were going to give me a car and they were going to give me a film crew for the whole expedition around Iceland. It was fantastic. I was at their head office in London pitching this idea and they were like, oh my God, this sounds fantastic. And it was only because they changed, because Skoda's not a British brand, because Skoda HQ in Czech Republic or whatever country they are, I can't remember, um, they changed their tack on marketing and they wanted cyclists, ironically, and women cyclists specifically for their marketing campaign, which is cool. You know, um, it was because of that I couldn't go through with the idea, which was horrendous. But it was a really good experience in understanding how it works, because, look, you've got to be ballsy enough if you want to get funding for this to pitch yourself to everybody. And that's getting a pitch deck together. And that's putting everything that you understand that you need into a pitch deck. But most crucially, if you're asking people for sponsorship, you need to put into there what they're going to benefit from it. Now, I pitched to Columbia for one of my challenges once upon a time. They gave me loads of stuff. It was fantastic. And they've got quite a big budget, but they needed exclusivity of the entire event. That meant exclusively all Columbia kit. That meant exclusively loads of Columbia content. That meant that film crews and stuff, they'd have to be filming things and getting the Columbia. They'd have to have rights to that, for example. There would be shout outs about this. There would be posts about this. What value are these people getting from you? Don't just take this from me because I've done it hundreds of times, literally. 
don't just write to people saying, hey, I'm doing this. Give me some money. You know, no matter how detailed you want to put that, say, look, I'm doing this challenge and this is what you can get from it. X, Y, Z. You don't need to have a million followers. You need to have impact in a very specific niche. So, for example, I'm the adventure coach. That's my niche. I help people with a sense of adventure. Ordinary people with a sense of adventure do extraordinary things. I know that. So I know that I can pitch myself if I want to get funding for whatever to people in that environment. And you've got to talk a good talk. And the Lord knows I can talk a good talk. And you've got to big it up and you've got to be super enthusiastic. You've got to be super passionate about what it is that you're doing because that's how you get people enthusiastic. If you inspire people through your pitch deck, they will believe in you and either give you kit or give you cash. Cash is a damn sight harder to get than kit. Uh, donations for charity, by the way, are good. And it's a very good thing to time that around sort of February, February, March-ish time towards the end of the tax year because people want to dish out some cash that they might have left over in various budgets. And it looks fantastic if they're donating it to charity or they're helping people do cool things, right? This is called um, corporate responsibility. So when we're looking at that, these are good times to start pitching folks if you're looking for that. If you're not, then clearly you don't need to. But we need to understand where does the money come from? Do we have enough? Does it need to go on a credit card? How do we fund it? How do we get it together? And that comes down to your own savings plan. How much money am I going to put aside for the next however many months to be able to achieve that goal? If your goal is an Ironman in Australia, well, we need to get to Australia. We need to get the Ironman. We need to get the accommodation. We need to get the food, everything else. We need to understand that cost so that nothing remains as a surprise. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I don't think I've been... Um, oh, yeah, one thing that's actually worth it on finance. I have a friend who posted somewhere, and I, I will dig it out. I'm going to put a note on it now, actually. They put together a blog post on grants and funds for doing cool things like this to help people getting outside and doing things. And I'm going to see if I can find Adam's blog post. It was a good few years ago, but he put it together and share that because you can get grants for this stuff, folks. There's grants to be able to do cool stuff. You know, if you've got the, um, if you've got, the added bonus of doing something for charity, thinking about you, Tony, for Samaritans, then guess what? You've got a little bit more leverage to get donations. Is it going to line your money, line your pocket with cash? No. Are you going to be making your millions from this? No. But you're going to be having influence and you're going to have a message to do. And you can get decent donations from people, from companies, from brands, and a bit of kit. We all love free stuff in order to facilitate your adventure. So looking at the finance plan, well, Clearly, equipment costs. So if we can get that given to us, that's taking away a financial cost. I did that with um, Kate Brath when I was training for it back in 2019 and 2020, just before lockdown. I was getting everything given to me, everything I possibly could I was getting for free. The more I could get for free, the better, because it meant that I didn't have to pay for it because I was broke. I didn't need <laughs> And I'm trying to pay for stuff on a shoestring. And I had Innovate giving me stuff and I had uh, uh, Cotswold giving me stuff because you've got to be, you know, confident enough to just ask for it don't ask don't get companies are very willing to give kit they're not so willing to give money but that money could come in a decent donation and actually getting a donation for it that that ticks the box of their corporate responsibility and that's a very very good place to be a very confident place to be okay next point this is the final point when the shit hits the fan what are you going to do when it all goes wrong 
this is where we first of all start to rely on those previous steps. If you can nail that six step process, if you've got everything in line, then when it does hit the fan, because it will, no plan ever survives first contact, folks, then you'll know that you'll be able to deal with it and you won't flap. I got to ice and I was flapping. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Obviously, I wasn't going to die, but I thought I was going to die. And you're like, oh my goodness me, this is going to be horrendous. So how do we act? Well, first of all, team, we need to understand that it starts in the mind. We need to understand how we react when it comes to adversity, when it comes to challenge. When we are challenged, how we react dictates our character, as we spoke about in the previous um, Fireside Chat on Tuesday. When we look at these things, that is how we react. So we need to make sure that we are bomb-proof in understanding what happens. So, for example, if that means, Grace, for example, you're going out on a challenge at the end of this 90 days to do a solo camping trip. Well, you want to understand what happens when it when it hits the fan. What if you don't have any pegs? What if it's really windy? What if you can't pitch a tent in the place you wanted to pitch a tent? What if it's dark and you're trying to put your tent up? This is where the practice comes in. Understanding that, Laura, you can fix a puncture. You can fix a chain coming off. You can fix a brake cable snapping. You can fix a wheel coming off. You know, anything that's going to happen. You can fix it when you fall off your bike. Tony, you can fix a broken pole or you can deal with a broken pole. You can deal with broken shoes. You can deal with broken kit. Your water bladder has popped and it's pissed water everywhere. We can deal with these things because the more conditioned you are to be able to deal with these problems, the more competent you will feel when it comes to the challenge itself. And competence is king. Confidence is fantastic. Great. It's good for pitching. Competence. That is where it comes for internal resilience. You will become a resilient person with the adventure coach team when you get to the point that you are competent. And that's why I coach you to be competent for your given adventure. Because when the shit hits the fan, if you know what to do, you will be fine. Soldiers. When soldiers go into battle and they get shot at, I can tell you right now, it's very unpleasant and your butthole starts twitching and things seem to go wrong, but you go back to your drills. You understand that you need to take cover. You check your weapon system. You do things over and over and over and over again until it becomes second nature, until you can repair a puncture in your sleep, until you can get over those specific running obstacles in your sleep, until you know that you can pitch a tent with your eyes closed. The more you can practice these basic skills, these world-class basics, the more you can manage it when it hits the fan, which it will. Because I'm not even funny, folks, but that's where the memories are at. That's where you look back and go, oh, that was funny. Yeah, that happened. I was on a um, solo, I just did a bit of a wild camping trip across Glencoe, and I pitched my tent on this very Instagram, lovely um, bit of rock on top of this mountain. Um, and there's, um, there's an updraft of wind and you've got a, oh my goodness me, what's it called? An orographic wind where it comes up the one side of a mountain and then bellows down the other side. Well, it came up and it actually, I couldn't peg my tent in because, um, it was rock and I can't put pe pegs in tents. That's uh, pegs in tents, pegs in rock. So I tied the guy ropes around rocks and stuff, but basically the wind had got underneath it and basically just folded the heart, the, the tent in half like a sandwich and snapped on the poles. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, that was, that was, that was, that was unpleasant and unfortunate. And I had to fix it with, um, I had randomly, 
Do you remember film cameras and the little tubes that you have for films? Well, I had one of those filled with matches. Very, very cool waterproof thing, by the way, for putting matches in. And so I emptied the matches out, um, stabbed a hole in the one side, put the um, uh, put the pole, put it through the pole up to the point where it snapped and then just duct taped it. Never go anywhere with that duct tape. It solves everything. It can solve world peace and um, put the tent back together. And it worked and it you know held together for the next two days that I was out and about. And the thing like that is when it hits the fan, I know how to fix it. I'm competent. I can think of problem solving because when stuff hits the fan, folks, it's your ability to problem solve that gets you through how you fix problems. It's how you understand adversity and challenge. If you know how to problem solve, you don't have to be a genius. You just need to have the ability to go from, oh my God, everything's going wrong to, okay, this has happened. What do I need to do? Do you know what? I've completely had a brain fart and I don't know how to fix a puncture. Okay, I've got signal. Let's Google it. Let's go through it one step at a time. Doesn't matter about time. Doesn't matter about the challenge. We'll complete it when I'm able to. I had a, I went up a mountain once um, in Scotland. It was one of the first times I went up a mountain called Blavon in, on the Isle of Skye. Fantastic mountain. One of my favorites. Um, first time I went up, I went for a sort of hike slash run up there. Um, it's, it's a great, it's a great mountain. It's a bit tough on the top. There's a little like scramble step and then it's a bit rocky to get down. And there was a little goat path that I wanted to find to come back uh, to where my start point was. So I did a loop. Anyway, the clouds came in. I started at like 5 p.m., which is a bit silly. Um, I got to the top about 7 p.m. So it was just about getting dark. It was middle of summer. So just about starting to get dark. I was coming down and a cloud cover came in. I couldn't see where I was going. And I was on like a mountain ridge that was kind of quite ridge-like and sharp, really sharp on one side and then dropped down to where this goat path kind of was. On the other side, I couldn't see it, couldn't find it at all. And uh, I'm starting to feel that little knot of tension. And you're like, okay, I'm not entirely sure where I am. I mean, this was a good 10 years ago. Uh, I was like, I'm not sure where I am. So I stopped, put my bag on the floor, sat on the floor, put a jacket on, got a brew out um, and didn't think about anything for a minute. and just kind of looked around. I was like, this is nice. This is okay. You know, at the end of the day, I know that I could probably, I could probably retrace my steps or I know that if I head left, I can get to some steep ground. I can follow the steep ground and follow it around. That's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Have a cup of tea. Everything will be fine. So I had a brew. And then I got my map out and then was like, okay, let's really think about where we are. Complete whiteout clouds. I don't know where I am. So let's just think about it. And was walking and found the ridge, found the shape of the ridge, and then was able to then put myself in the middle of the ridge. And I thought, I can't find this goat path. I don't know where it is. I think I've missed the turning for it. I'm not 100% certain where on this ridge I actually am. So I thought, if I just keep following it down, that'll be fine. I'll get down eventually. So I got down and then I got onto a road where I was like, eight kilometers actually away from where my car was so realized it was i think it was about quarter to nine at this point actually um it was getting on a bit so i was like tabbing down the road i oh, just just wanted to get a bed really uh car came thunder lift it was a wonderful guy and his, his his young daughter this wonderful dad he was fantastic and he was like where can i go for a decent fish and chips and i was like oh i know just the place there's a little fish bar in a place called broadford and on the other sky i was like i'll probably see you there um I was like, thanks so much for the lift. I then met them. We ended up going for fish and chips together and I bought them fish and chips and it was great. And the thing is, when it hits the fan, you've got to have the ability to just stop, take that 30,000 foot view 
take a deep breath and go, what do I need to do? Because let me tell you, folks, there's no point in panicking. Easy for me to say. When you're in it, you're going to be like, oh, everything's going wrong. Oh, I can't see this. I can't see that. Where's the trick point? You know, especially when you're going up Ben McDewey and it's dark and you can't bloody well see the trick point because it's miles away and it's on this flat ground. And it's really infuriating ground to cover. You're going to start flapping. We need to control ourselves and we need to go, OK, if I stand still, absolutely nothing will go wrong. I might get a bit cold, but that's OK. If I have a puncture, if I get myself off the road and I keep still, nothing will go wrong. I might get a bit cold, but that's OK. And then you give yourself enough time to go, okay, what do I need to do? And you think clearly. As soon as you can give yourself that little gap, that little bit of time, you're onto a winner, folks. You can give yourself the time to think, to breathe, to think through the process and figure out what's going on. Does that make sense? I hope so. Right, I'm going to go on to questions, but I'm going to turn off screen sharing um, so that you can all look at my lovely face. Hello, and I can see all yours or I can at least see your names. Fantastic. Now then, team, any questions from that? Granted, we went into a lot of detail, a lot of moving parts. This is definitely going to be something to look back on and re-watch, but I hope that that's given you a little bit of a thought process to follow when it comes to the six steps to organizing any of these big challenges. When you look at these points, none of these points are really answering your expedition or adventures problems you're doing that by implementing these points the whole point of this is a framework and it works because i'm bloody well using it every single one of these points i'm going through on all of my admin and all of my planning for the cape bath trail that's why i have these boards that's why i go through this exact thought process if you can nail every single one of those six and you can handle yourself when the shit hits the fan you can handle yourself you will be fine. Now, other considerations, which I think would be interesting. I was talking to Laura about this one, actually, you know, and Grace, actually, both being uh, Garmin. I'll come on to that one, Laura, in a minute. You know, both being women, women alone in the outdoors. The world can be a really shit place to be sometimes, unfortunately. There's some garbage human beings out there. So we need to understand, well, that's where our comms process comes in. If we get scared, that's fine. That, that, that is okay. We all get scared. We all get worried. We all get a little bit anxious. We all do. Men men and women. Men say they don't. They're lying. And we need to make sure that our comms plan is there. Our emergency plan is there. No, we don't need to go armed. But we just need to make sure that we can handle ourselves. And we have the courage and the confidence. The likelihood is nothing will happen. But if it does, do we know exactly where we are? And do we know exactly how to contact help? If you can answer those two questions with yeses, awesome. You're into a great place. And go out and do it. Don't make your challenge the first time you've done something like it. So Tony, for example, that's not the first time he's going to be running mountains. Laura, she's not. that's not going to be the first time she's, she's riding a really long way. Grace, for her first camping trip, is going to be a relatively tame camping trip. You're not going to be going off to Antarctica. You're going to be going off to some local hill somewhere and having a good time and really enjoying yourself. And Laura, yeah, Laura, your ability to back yourself, to tell people to fuck off. Honestly, good. All of this, this, you know, you can, you can dissuade a lot of people by having a solid ability to telling people to fuck off. Absolutely. 
what have we got here? So, okay, how do I know how long Garmin will last? Uh, hoping not to have to charge, but don't want to die. Now, I'm assuming this is going to... Let's start with Garmin Watch. First thing with the Garmin Watch, find out what Garmin Watch you've got, Google the spec, look at the battery life. You might need to charge it along the way. I've coached quite a few people who have done long-distance trails and they've had to recharge their watches along the way. You either, A, upgrade to something like a Fenix of something along those lines, or a Sunto, the new Sunto Spartan Sport 9, whatever it is they seem to be putting names onto the end of it also it's got a really really fantastic battery life garmin's got a fantastic battery life polar's got a fantastic battery life yes it does command a higher price point but it's something to consider if you are cycling then it's worth considering if you're going to have a cycle computer again google the spec see what the battery life is and see where the trade-off is what i would suggest is i would have the watch to track your like heart rate and like body stats and the computer to just track the bike itself and the GPS. Don't get one thing to do both. Split the battery life. Because if your gar if your watch isn't doing GPS, then you can put it into um low power mode, which means it's gonna have long battery life. It'll have like an ultra mode. I know this certainly does. We can have a look at yours um, at a later date to make sure. And then what you can do on your bike computer is put it on a lock screen so that it the display turns off and turns on uh, sorry and just shows you the stats for every because i think you've got the garmin 530 uh same one as me you every time you get to your lap which for me is every 8k for yours could be different you can obviously program it to be differently it will turn on and tell you where you're at so and when you've got a corner to turn the screen will automatically turn on and tell you where that corner is so yes you'll have a black screen in front of you like that, for example. But every time you come to a corner, it'll turn on like that and tell you where to go. That was really well planned. Well done, phone. Um, so yes, tell people to the fuck off. Good, Tony. Love this, Laura. Been been there, done that. Yes, Claire. In fact, if ever you've considered um, what, if you've ever you've wanted a little bit of um, grit, determination with going out alone, just talk to Claire. Claire's an absolute legend. Bike Garmin, ideal. Just need the nav. Yes, hundred percent. So for the for the bike itself, you know, if you're going to be running um cadence and uh da, 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 what's it called cadence and speed on there and you've got the little sensors on your bike then that will take a little bit more battery life um but the map itself you can set it so it'll sleep in between legs so that you're maximizing battery life but first and foremost is just google the model and find the battery life you might find the battery life is 100 hours uh, I know a, a Garmin for example my Fenix this is a Fenix 6x whatever um 6 series the battery life in ultra battery mode is 100 and, uh, 110 hours, something like that, 112 hours. In ultra mode, that's still tracking, that's still GPS and stuff. But I know that if I get lost and I need to use the GPS, I've got my Garmin in reach in my backpack. And I know the battery life for that is days. So I'm good to go for that one. Same for you, Tony. If you're going to have the Garmin um, uh, in reach, then yeah, 100% that's where you can then uh, have that in the backpack and it'll last days. That's cool. Uh, if you need to charge en route, then what I would suggest is taking something like I don't have, as an example, a little battery pack. You know, the ones you can get the size of the, they look like half the size, like a cigarette pack, kind of that sort of size. Duct tape it to your frame. Have it fully charged, obviously. Duct tape it to your frame. And then when things start to die, 
just plug it straight in. So especially for that Garmin, for the computer, if it's going to die, have a little battery pack. Uh, you've got a little um, pack actually on your top um, top tube on your bike. So you can put it in there and actually have the cable out if it's not raining, have the cable out so you can just plug it straight in or stop and whatever. You can still use it while it's charging, um, but it just means that you can use it. On that note team, it's a lot of stuff from me. I realize that. On that note for watches, you can charge your watch and still run the program that it's running. So let's say, for example, you're going for an ultra run and your battery is going to die halfway, let's say. Well, first of all, consider getting a new watch. But second of all, you can take the watch off, plug it in, put it in your pack and keep running, and it will continue to track um, the route that you're on. I did that for Iceland. I know for a fact that works because I did it for 28 days and had the same watch running solidly on all the time for 28 days uh, because I wanted to get the full trail and I wanted to put it on Strava. There you go. Don't hate but things like that do work. So you can recharge and a small battery pack will do you. Every single one of you, every every person's challenge in here will not need more than one of those little rechargeables. Um, cool. Any other questions, team? We're nearly there on time. Last two minutes. I appreciate there's a lot of information, um, but again, just look through some of the stuff, go back into it, review this again, Um and go through all of these points for every single one of your elements of your challenge. Once you have done your due diligence on that, can't say that word, diligence, diligence. Once you've done your due diligence, then come back to me and we'll workshop it together. Make sense? Because you do a workshop and putting together a pitch. I'm probably not the best person uh, to ask about putting towards a pitch, but I can certainly give you pointers on how I did mine. Uh, I'm not saying I'm super successful and I got millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds from companies. I did get a lot of free stuff though. To be honest, a lot of it comes from as long as you can get the message across of what they're going to get from it and you've got your ballsy enough to just turn around and ask, people will give you stuff. Granted. Cotswold, for example, were pretty good. They gave me like a, uh, I think they gave me like a 500 pound gift card. It was not cash, so I couldn't go and spend it on booze of all that stuff that I drink, but I could spend it on stuff in store. I worked in Cotswold at the time as well, which was quite nice. So I managed to wangle a little bit of stuff. I could use my staff discount. So I got loads of stuff for that cost, but it was fantastic. So, you know, yes, to an extent, I can help you out. I'm probably not going to put a workshop together for it, but we can absolutely have a chat offline uh, about putting together a pitch or I can put together a few thoughts into a video and then post it into the group. Um, but I will look at other places to go. Uh, I'll, I'll do some research on how to put pitches together and other people who have put pitches together more successfully than I, um, I'm looking more towards my friends in sort of photography and videography here because they're the ones that are going to be funding their videos and stuff and they're going to be pitching all the time that are going to be better off, a better source of information than I, but I can certainly share my insight on it for sure. Team, any other questions? Last minute and then we're going, it's dinner time. Uh, just make sure I haven't missed any questions. Cool. Right. Thanks, folks. Jump onto chat just now. Give me an idea um, of your biggest takeaway from this workshop. Just tell me what the biggest thing is that you've learned uh, and give me a feel. Was it useful? Was it not? Give me a big yay or a big nay, like a horse. Stuff. Great stud. Thanks, Tony. I am a great stud. Cheers, man. <laughs> Plenty of stuff to consider. Nice structure. Thanks. No, you're welcome, Claire. 
need to get the maps up on the wall. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. You've got the maps. You have them for Christmas. Get them up on the wall. Get the pen all over them. Let's get planning them. 100%. Good. Anything else for me? I don't think so. Awesome. Right, team. We're going to end it there. We're going to land the plane. We are done. Thank you all very much for your attention this evening, for your time. Absolutely fantastic. I hope you've taken something away from this. I hope there's something you're going to review. This will be uploaded tomorrow once it's downloaded. My internet's being a bit slow, so it's going to, probably going to take quite a lot uh, to download this evening. So I'm going to get that uploaded tomorrow. It'll be on the podcast. The video will be on Basecamp as well, because I want to have it as a focus training workshop on Basecamp, not just on the Facebook group. So it'll be on there. I will share the links to it, and we are good to go. Happy days, team. Peace. Happy Thursday. Have a good one and enjoy. Cheers, man.